Hey everyone, and welcome back to Movies to Be Murdered by. This is Jeff Watson, your host. And today, this is a special, special treat. I have a, a friend with me today. We're going to talk about um, one of the films in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, her name is Jessie Drew, and she's also a contributing writer for Movie John. Um, Jessie, how are you today? Hi. Hi, Jeff. Good, good. How are you? I'm doing well, and I want to say thank you for joining me and uh, all of your support thus far as we've gotten this podcast off the ground. I really do appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I'm so happy to be here talking with you, uh, talking things movies. And um, absolutely, it's important that we all support each other in the uh, this little underground movie circuit that we have going on. Um, yeah, so I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. Um, and I, when I reached out to you, I said, "Look, I wanna, I want you to discuss a film that's important to you. Uh, if you could, for our listeners, tell tell everyone the the movie that you picked and why." Okay, um, I chose a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four: The Dream Master out of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, featuring the one and only many much beloved, much reviled Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and uh, I chose this movie, this movie has a special place in my heart. Um, it was very likely the first horror movie that I saw as a child in the 80s. I'm um, pretty sure that I went to go see this in the theater with uh, my sister and all the kids in our neighborhood. And we were lucky enough to have a, a movie theater like right down the street from where we lived. And pretty sure we went to go see this there. I'm, the movie came out in 1988, so I would have been about eight years old and um, way too young to be watching any of these types of movies. But and back hey, back uh, when they didn't be, make you back when they didn't make you uh you're not you didn't have to be 18 to go into an R-rated movie <laughs> or have someone yeah I, I'm right there right with you. it was just a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So, um, so I think that was like a pretty common thing in the eighties. Where I don't know what all of our parents, like this generation's parents, were doing, but we all watched movies that were inappropriate. So, um, but yeah, this, um, the other reason I chose this movie, and I think one of the reasons I loved this movie so much was, um, you know, Friday exists in this realm of dreams. You know, um, a space that, you know, I was small, so I, I'm, you know, at that time I was not aware of like, you know, film history or cinema history, but this space that to me was like, wow, um, he's attacking these, these kids, these teenagers in this extremely vulnerable state that you cannot help but go to, you know, we all, every human being needs to sleep. And so you can't, they try to fight it, but they can't ultimately and everybody ends up succumbing to their sleep and then succumbing to a confrontation with Freddie in these movies so there was something really powerful about that and um the character of Alice I mean I have always um thought about her like throughout the years I'll, I'll think about her battle with Freddie about how she had to uh, take the mantle from her friends, her brother, everyone in her life that she cared about who died and left her their powers. And we'll, we'll, you'll get to that when we synopsize the movie, but she just is a really powerful girl hero in um, 
in a film. And it didn't matter to me that it was horror or not horror. She was just a, a girl hero in a film. And to a little girl, that was a really big deal to see them on screen. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's honestly the first and, and like we were talking uh, before, you know, the this one I had to really think about. I, I remember the first three very well. And I'm not I wasn't sure why I didn't really remember this one as much. But once I went back and watched it, I realized that there's a reason why I didn't want to remember uh, this one mm -hmm. as much because there are some some different scenes that, you know, in previous films, yes, there were some gory and um, kind of crazy kills in those, but this one has mm -hmm. quite a few of those moments that I, I, in terms of my personal feeling that felt a little bit different than the first three films. It was, is that something that you would agree with? Yeah. I mean, I've heard, um, and I've read, well, I should say I've read, um, a lot about how this film, um, you know, it was just, it was, it was markedly different from the first three in terms of, you know, at this point, New Line knew that they had like a real franchise and they knew that they needed to keep like after the third one, they were like, all right, we need to like ramp it up and get the next one out because we have something on our hands, a bit of a runaway train and we need to get it out there. Um, they brought on um, new writers and they had struggled with, you know, getting a director. They ended up with Rennie Harlan, um, who was like, you know, very, very new director. Um, and they had like intentionally made this more of like an MTV, they call it like the MTV Nightmare on Elm Street, um, mm -hmm. because they focused a lot on the soundtrack. Uh, Freddie had all of these like, you know, um, one punchy one-liners, you know, he says at one point, like, you know, reach out and, and touch someone, you know, who's telling Kristen to call in one of her friends and he's making a reference to that old, you know, um, AT&T ad, reach out and touch someone. And, you know, these, these kind of like punchy one-liners and that, that's sort of when the, the, for some people, well, that's when the franchise jumped the shark, you know, to, to throw in that old expression. And then for some people like myself being a young child, I hadn't seen the first, the first three, you know, um, this was my introduction to, to Freddie and it it made a lot of sense to my young very young mind because I was an MTV generation you know child so the things like the soundtrack um the reference these pop culture references and his one-liners um and the fact that it was maybe like you said like like less like maybe less gory less sort of like just dark violence and kind of more like these you know poppy scenes maybe that's kind of was, you know, it was like that and it appealed to, you know, younger MTV type primed generation audiences. Yeah. So I can, I can definitely see that, you know, because the storyline um, is not as like rooted as the first three are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and to kind of go back to what I said, I still think that this is a great film. Um, but and I'm sure that you'll get you'll get to this when we start talking about the movie a little more in depth. But some of the kills in this movie uh, terrified me greatly. 
and it's funny because the first, you know, the first three movies, I mean, there are some very iconic uh, death scenes in those, and, and those scared me too. But I think in this one, there was, I think there was more, more realness, uh, more of a reality to a couple of them where it's like not necessarily because Freddie was there, but the, the notion of, and I'll just go ahead and give it away since we talked about it earlier, the notion of mm-hmm. having the breath taken out of you and not being able to yeah. breathe and the symbolism that came with that is that, that one scene has stuck with me throughout the years. And uh, so that's one of the reasons why I was like, you know, I, I kind of didn't go back and watch it right away um, after my first couple viewings of it uh, when I was younger. But, you know, going back and doing research for this, uh, for this episode, it was, I was like, okay, yeah, this, this is the movie that I stayed away from uh, all those years. And um, <laughs> that would, that would be the reason why. And and honestly, the good horror films, the good movies, they have those scenes that really stick with you, whether it's a positive or a negative that you can always go back to. So I, I, um, I enjoyed going back and watching it this time though. So that was, it was, um, it was really good. <laughs> no, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Cause it's, the movie is, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed yourself. And yeah, I agree. There are some really like, you know, disturbing kills in this movie and, you know, um, the bug, you know, the road hotel, I'm sure we'll get there, but, um, that's another one that a lot of people remember. Um, and you know, it's, um, it's an interesting movie in that it goes to, you know, their, their worst fears. Right. I mean, you know, just, and I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to, I won't keep referencing the first three just because I, I, uh, we could talk forever. (laughs) I feel like we could talk forever about like the first three and then the fourth, but like, you know, in this one, um, they just, they go right to the heart of everyone's fear, you know, um, with, um, and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, I will, I'm going to talk a little bit about this, um, about their deaths, but for instance, um, Alice's brother, Rick, you know, is, um, is very much into his karate, you know, that's a big part of who he is. And, you know, um, that's, you know, living in this like, you know, traumatic and dysfunctional household that him and Alice live in with their alcoholic father, who's, you know, verbally abusive to them. Like, you know, I can imagine, I always imagine that that's like a way that he managed for himself to feel safe and to feel like he could defend himself. And then in the movie, that's exactly how he dies. Like Freddie, you know, bests him, you know, at the karate and, you know, and he dies and that's uh, like taking all of, you know, all of his worst fears, right. And distilling them right into the kill. And he, he does that. That that is one thing that they allow Freddie to do in this movie. They allow him to, you know, really get to the heart of each of their fears and then just totally exploit them and then kill them based on it. But I agree with you about the, the, uh, the sort of, the, I think that's, that's where I would say the realness of, you know, the movie goes to. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's something where, you know, you, you look at all of us have fears and, you know, it just makes you think if someone took my deepest, darkest fear 
and you use that, you know, it, it, it just, it gives you an uneasy feeling. So, um, so if you, if you don't mind, um, I'd love to have you just kind of give a, a synopsis of the film and just talk about some of those uh, different uh, scenes that kind of stood out to you, some of your favorite characters um, and, and some of that. So I'll just kind of turn it over to you if that's okay. Oh yeah, sure. So Nightmare on Elm Street 4 picks up where obviously the third one left off with um, Kristen. We, we get We get a sense of Kristen, her boyfriend, Rick, her boyfriend Rick's sister Alice, they're like the, you know, the main characters to start. And their group of friends in high school, um, basically a group of, you know, easygoing, you know, kids with very uh, distinct personalities who all really get along, which is, it's a very nice um, scenario that they paint at the beginning of the movie of these kids who are very supportive of each other, um, despite on the surface seeing very different. Um, we get the introduction to right away pretty much to um the nightmare situation Kristen has um called in joey and kincaid two of her buddies from the previous film who were left alive with her and is you know her gift is to call people into her dreams to help her um so they have that a little tete-a-tete at the beginning telling her like hey you know we don't want you to call it call us into your dreams anymore and by the way you keep like you kind of stirring the pot and you don't know that Freddie's going to come back so like just chill out <laughs> don't do that anymore so she's getting kind of edgy um and then basically um her mom um feels that she's she's being drawn again to all of the things which had her in the hospital to begin with. You know, she, her mom sees her and her friends at Freddy Krueger's house. Um, so that night her mom at dinner had put sleeping pills in Kristen's drink. And, you know, Kristen basically screams at her and says, you just murdered me, mom, knowing that she won't be able to help but fall asleep. And, and basically as you know as she says freddie murders her um alice rick's sister has this sort of uh feeling this very like this very this very strong feeling that you know Kristen's in trouble she has she has been pulled into Kristen's dream she sees her and freddie she wakes up in real life so to speak and has a photograph of Kristen and Freddie says greetings from hell, which then immediately burns up. Kristen tells Rick, I'm sorry, um, Alice tells Rick, they run to Kristen's house. Kristen's house is on fire and Kristen's dead. So that kind of kicks off Freddie's return, real return into this new group of friends where he uses Kristen, he used Kristen's powers to um, draw in her friends who were not part of the original group of kids uh, of the parents who had killed him. So the movie continues on where Freddie basically plucks each friend off one by one, as we spoke earlier, using and getting to their deepest fears. Um, they have a friend who you spoke about earlier um, who has asthma and she falls prey to Freddie in a dream in the classroom where he comes and literally sucks the breath out of her. She wakes up and has a, a massive asthma attack and dies, you know, um, 
Alice's brother, Rick, dies in a battle um, in a, a battle with an invisible Freddy, which is kind of interesting. And um, there's reasons for that. Um, I read upon um, Rick, Alice's brother, was originally supposed to have this sort of very outlandish death in the elevator. There's a scene where he is in an elevator um, while he's dreaming and the elevator's kind of going off the rails. He can't control what floor it's supposed to stop on. It's going lightning speed. And I'm not exactly sure what the death was supposed to be, but it was supposed to have, it was supposed to be sort of like a, 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 a very like, um, you know, lavish death in this elevator scene, but the, the production ran out of money. <laughs> so okay. they had to improvise. Yeah. So they had to <laughs> improvise and they came up with uh, Rick fighting an invisible Freddy, you know, um, invisible man style <laughs> um, in this karate battle um, in which Freddy ultimately bests him. He dies. Um, and it, with each of these deaths, Alice, who was at the beginning shown to be very mousy, for lack of a better word, very shy, couldn't stand up for herself. You know, her and Rick have this um, alcoholic verbally abusive and narcissistic father, you know, who just is horrible basically. And he's just, he's just a mean drunk basically. And he, he, he treats them horribly and she can never stand up to him. Rick is always the one who stands up to him. Um, as a coping mechanism, Alice always had her daydreams. Um, she would, you know, dream of like, if her father was being awful to her, she would dissolve into a daydream where she, is getting some sort of revenge on him or standing up for herself in a violent way, but she could never do that in real life, you know? And her brother um, was trying to teach her how to stand up for herself, which I think was a really, really sweet scene um, before he, before he dies. And after he dies, she has another daydream at his funeral where he actually comes out of the coffin, not gory, but just whole, like how he was in, you know, when he was alive and, is goofing around with her and saying, Oh no, I'm still alive. You know? And she tells herself like no more daydreams, you know, no more daydreams. Like she's finally kind of maturing and understanding that all of these horrible things are happening, but she can, she can't stand up to it. And she's got to put her daydreams away and actually stand up to, to what's going on and face it. So at that point she decides um, along with the two remaining friends, that they've got to, you know, take on Freddie, and then they're going to meet, and at at um at her friend's house, and they're going to take on Freddie, and and really, you know, kind of like kick his butt. But for lots of other reasons, that doesn't happen, and Alice ends up having to face Freddie by himself, by herself. So she begins to suit up, which is also a really it's a really, it's a really sweet scene. I mean, the the music in the scene not so great, <laughs> and it unfortunately it kind of comes across as corny. Um, but if you if you could turn off the, <laughs> if you could mute <laughs> and just watch what what is going on, or just distill like the action that's going on. She is suiting up. She's taking off all the photographs on the, her mirror. Her bedroom mirror was just littered with photographs of all of her friends, of her brother. And one by one, as they passed away, she would take off another photograph and begin to see herself in the mirror, 
which I thought was really beautiful imagery and really sort of empowering for a teenage girl. You know, she's starting to find out like what she's made of, who she is. So Alice, you know, after she clears all of the pictures off the mirror, uh, takes a bunch of sleeping pills, she downs a bunch of them. <laughs> and um, in an effort to get into the dream state where she can finally take on Freddie and with the intention of finally just ending this. And I just wanted to point out, it's, it's just really, I mean, this scene, music aside, because the music in the scene is, in my opinion, uh, pretty terrible, <laughs> but um, um, it's a really, it's a really touching scene and it really goes to the heart of one of my sort of like uh, ideas about this movie, what makes it special is we really get to see this character, Alice, who has been sort of traumatized multiple times. Uh, I mean, e even before um, her brother and her, and her best friends all perish, um, her mother, it's, it's told in the beginning that you know, her mother has passed away. You could see it through um, photographs that she looks at. Um, her father, as we uh, discussed, is a raging alcoholic who um, emotionally and verbally abuses her and her brother Rick, um, so much so that Alice is really a, like a pushover character. She um, is only really free to stand up for herself in her daydreams. So, um, you know, and you, and you see this, you know, um, a few times um, throughout the movie, um, the most obvious time is when she um, daydreams that she uh, stands up to her father who has been chastising her for simply making him a salad for dinner. And she takes the bowl and smashes it on the table and um, yells at him for, you know, being an alcoholic. Um, at some point in the movie, um, Rick, her brother, uh, tries to tries to tell her that she's got to stand up for herself and speak her mind out loud. He attempts to show her some karate moves, which ends, you know, in sort of like a giggle fest between the two of them. It's a very sweet moment. But I just, I always liked this movie because of the transformation that you see her make. Um, and, and again, you know, after like all of these beloved uh, people in her life die and, and she begins to take on their, special qualities to make her a stronger person she's finally able to sort of like um blend all of these all of these qualities of you know of sheila of debbie of rick of Kristen, um and 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 she's able to incorporate all of these qualities into herself to make herself stronger and she's finally able to get past um, her own like you know uh, fears to to go in, uh, into her dreams and and take on the biggest monster of them all the one that's you know uh, been running rampant and just killing uh, everybody she loves so I, I just think that this scene is just really it's just really beautiful it's really touching um, showing her finally coming into her own power how did it make you feel as a young girl watching that scene? How did it make you feel in terms of kind of, you know, displaying your own power? Oh, I mean, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, even though this movie was, 
you know, terrifying, obviously, you know, to, to a, a young girl, like, you know, <laughs> I saw this movie, as I said, um, you know, in the 80s when I was little. Um, but I also loved it. I loved it because of, um, because of this, you know, this story, because you get to see Alice turning into something that's even greater than herself. Um, I also loved the music in this um, movie so much. You have a, a, a great, a great um, selection of songs, uh, including Sinead O'Connor's song, um, Unfortunately, it's during the uh, Roach Motel uh, <laughs> scene with <laughs> Debbie, which is, you know, hideously gross, but it's a really empowering song. And then they do play it again at the end, which is lovely. Um, you know, and this is, you know, this is a pre, pre-Sarah Night Live Pope incident, Sinead O'Connor um, song that's really about being strong. And then you also have the beautiful uh, Drama Rama song, which, you know, is become synonymous with the movie um anything anything when when rick is practicing his karate i mean you have all these sort of like very underground um beautiful um songs and 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 that coupled with the imagery of uh, this young woman fighting and really becoming something really special uh, just yeah, really, it, it influenced me in a, in a wonderful way. So I, I had a love for this movie, even though I was also terrified by it because obviously Freddy's, you know, is, was very scary. Um, he's he's yes. a scary character, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so just a quick, a quick fact here, um, and I didn't realize this until I started reading up on the movie a little bit more, but. Um, the film actually grossed $49.4 million at the box office. Yes. Um, and <clears throat> it was made on a $6.5 million budget. And until Freddy versus Jason was made, it was the highest grossing film in the franchise. Right. And I didn't, I mean, I know we had talked before about, um, you know, some of the reception and how this film tends to get lost um, somewhat uh, just because I think of how fast and furious these films were coming out. I think we, you know, we talked before, but this uh, part three came out in 87. This film came out in 1988 and then part five came out in 89. So there were, I mean, it was, just one after another and i think this one for whatever reason uh gets lost in the shuffle sometimes but um i, I when i read that i thought that was really fascinating um remembering that part of the of the franchise and you know how well it did absolutely um i think if if i'm not mistaken that um this movie was the um uh the highest grossing horror movie of that year um, and uh, New Line's highest grossing movie at that point um, might be, might be, I think, I, I think I'm right on that actually. Um, you know, anybody could fact check it and, <laughs> and tweet at us. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's uh, the, the money made um, with this movie was just, I mean, it's just hand over fist. This, this franchise at this point was just fire, you know, just total fire. Right. And um, just like that dog that peed fire. <laughs> 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 
I I still with that scene, that is one of the it's one of those scenes where you're like, Am I did I really just see that? Did I see <laughs> a dog named Jason <laughs> P fire? Did I really just see that? And yes, the the answer is yes. We saw a dog P fire. We saw a dog P fire. <laughs> yeah i can't i mean i can't stress enough like how many f- funny parts I, I think we talked about this earlier <laughs> many, you know just sort of like under the radar funny things that yeah. funny moments in this movie i mean i get i know you know freddie's got the punchlines and the puns and stuff but and this is like the i think the first the first of the series where he really like they have him let loose with all of his one-liners but like i mean even when i mean even in this uh really tense scene where the where the uh Alice and Rick's father comes home drunk and he's you know berating her for um simply serving him a salad for dinner um I mean, he says to her like what am I a rabbit and then he makes a rabbit face and and does like the buck teeth like, <laughs> like what is going on what does that have to do with anything <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so yeah, this is a this is a, a, a very funny movie. I think also under the radar, you have to be open to the funniness. Yes, yes, you have to be uh, have to be have to have a certain sense of humor to be able to get it. And um, I, I again, it's it really is. Aside from the one scene that scares the crap out of me, um, it really is a a really good. Um, piece of the franchise and um I, I thought it was really well done and um i mean shoot the the numbers the the money that it made shows that uh, yeah. even though sometimes for whatever reason the uh reviews have not been as great on this one and i and honestly i don't know i don't know why um I think it it's just a really strong uh movie. Um in in terms of just overall with the movie, um, you know, we do our little rating system on here, um, where we give a, a movie a certain amount of uh headstones. Um so we, you know, go up to five. Um what's your rating for this film what what would you rate it um out of five headstones out of five headstones um wow there are there are a few reasons why i would i'm going to give it a higher a higher number of headstones um probably than most people who review the movie like you mentioned who have reviewed it and reviewed it poorly i know as you said um i've also seen that you know this one this this episode in the nightmare um on elm street saga sort of gets you know bashed a little bit more uh tossed and, and tossed around um probably because it's not as quote-unquote serious as the first three you know, it doesn't have that gravitas. Mm-hmm. It has like a, a lot more, it's a lot more playful, but I mean, you know, um, listen, like, you know, th- there's that, the most terrifying scene in the movie where Alice gets sucked into the movie screen and sees, and then when she's on the other side of the movie screen, s- screen sees all of her dead friends standing up in the audience clapping. Um, 
you know, there's, a, there, you know, the song by Sinead O'Connor and MC Light. Um, uh, just the reference to um, be- gatekeepers of dreams. Like um, there's that cameo by the one of the producers who plays the teacher and he's talking about, you know, the gatekeepers of dreams. There's a million reasons, um, you know, but what I love, uh, um, what I love and fear so much about Freddy and these movies is that exist in the realm of dreams. And, and how often, at that point, how often did we get movies like that? I mean, if I'm sure someone will correct me, but, um, but, you know, so I think I, I'm going to go with four headstones. I'm going to go with four. Okay. I think, and, and, you know, these are all, these ratings are subjective. You know, I'm there's a million reasons, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. what, you know, people have, you know, for poo-pooing this movie and, and, and I'm sure some of those are legit, but I have a, bu- a bunch of reasons why I think it's a wonderful movie. So yeah, I'm going to give it four headstones. So that's a, that's right. a long answer to your question. Okay. No, that's okay. And, and I mean, I, I always say this with movies. Um, a lot of people are sometimes beholden to how others have reviewed a film. Mm-hmm. And while we do have some critics, critics and experts out there that I do value their opinion, when it comes down to it, I'd rather watch a movie myself and form my own opinion. Uh, you know, and, and if you look at this one, like I'm looking on IMDb right now, it has mm-hmm. a 5.7 rating out of 10. Um, I think that's extremely low for this film, uh, given, given everything that you mentioned previously and just what this movie meant for the franchise. And I mean, you think about it, the amount of money that this film brought in really kind of paved the way for future horror films because, you know, a lot of people didn't see horror films as, you know, like a mainstream film. This is kind of like a, in lack of a better analogy here, like a back alley type of film where people, you know, didn't really want to talk about those films um, out in the mainstream. And this, I mean, films like this that incorporated the, uh, the MTV kind of vibe to it, uh, it really paved the way for for uh, some of the films that we're seeing today. So, you know, I, I do appreciate people reviewing the films, but I think when it comes down to it, everyone, we all have our own individual taste. And I think sometimes we miss out on some great films because we allow reviews, negative reviews, to keep us away from a film that maybe we would enjoy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. Um, I totally think that this movie um, made the franchise and other movies and other horror movies of the 80s more accessible to the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you said, the success, fi- the financial success of the movie, like, you know, it tests to that. You know, lots of people went to go see this. Lots more went after word of mouth spread. Um, because it because it was like a good it's kind of like it, it kind of reminds me in a way of um child's play and i know you talked about that in a previous podcast where these are these are like horror movies that are really kind of invite everyone in anybody can can you know i can kind of step into this and and grab a hold of a piece of horror 
you know it's not right. too not too terror terrifying so uh, yeah i totally agree you know and and um and i'm with you on that I'm, i've been burned so many times by um not watching a movie because of you know what one critic said or a group of critics said only to find out years later after watching said movie that wow that was a really good movie i don't know why i listened to the critics mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly so. exactly that's why that's why i reviewed uh would you rather the uh the last episode because right. i stayed away from that movie because i read a review one time i was like oh that's kind of that's cheesy and stupid mm -hmm. and then i actually watched it and I, and i said wow you know i'm kind of mad at myself for listening to somebody else and not forming my own opinion so that's when i really started saying okay from here on out i'm just going to watch a movie regardless of what the reviews say and just form my own opinion and just go from there um so yeah definitely what tell me where you rank um robert england in terms of um his portrayal of freddy krueger among all of the legendary uh, killers and villains and um, supernatural beings amongst the uh, horror films. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, am, I am influenced by this movie and its campiness. You know, it does have a certain mm -hmm. amount of camp to it because of his, you know, punchy one-liners and uh, his, you know, his little like you know how he's on the beach and all of a sudden he puts on a pair of ray-bans you know he's he kind of adjusts to each um scenario he's helping the girl he's helping debbie lift weights at one point you know so, <laughs> you know before she turns into a roach um so it's it's hard to rank him amongst like you know um some of the other um you know mad villains um and and <laughs> and and nightmarish uh, folk, but you know, I I probably put him kind of pretty up there, only because, you know, the the what scares and what scared and still scares me about Freddy is just that he attacks you at your most vulnerable. You know, like yes. you know, yes, you know, um, you know, uh, Jason, you know, base in, in essence kills you if you've done something quote unquote wrong or amoral, right? Michael Myers mm -hmm. is just is just out there to like you know murder, <laughs> just you know just any and kind of like anybody he can get his hands on. Um, but <laughs> but Freddie is just he's waiting for you, and you don't see him. You know the kids are in this movie and other movies. The kids are walking around. They're doing what they have to do when they fall asleep, which is something that you know human beings cannot avoid doing when they fall asleep is when he um you know comes to say hello and terror terrorize you and then kill you and and that's that to me is just it's just you know i don't know it can't get much scarier than that especially yeah. as somebody i i happen to i happen to value my dreams a lot you know and uh all of that is also it's just you know purely psychological you know which is you know again some part of our makeup you know our subconscious, what we do when we're dreaming. And Freddie's right there. Freddie's representing, you know, all of the bad things, all the most scariest parts of ourselves and the scariest parts of other people. And he's just with his glove and the knives and, you know, 
and his disgusting vis- visage, you know, I don't know. Yeah. He's just, he, he's, he's nuts. <laughs> he's nuts. And, yeah. it's, and it's scary. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I, I've seen him in so many other films. Um, one of my favorite, this is really, <laughs> one of my favorite roles that he has is uh, in 2001 Maniacs. Oh, okay. I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. It's a, um, it's, it's kind of a zombie slash, um, cannibal, cannibalism Mm -hmm. type movie. Um, it's set in the South and it, it's very offensive, but it's so funny. Um, (laughs) if you, if you have a chance, check it out. Uh, okay. It's one of those movies that, um, again, that just gets destroyed when you um, are looking at it in terms of ratings. Um, okay. It people just bury it, and um, it actually it came out in two thousand five, um, and I'm trying to pull up some information here on it because it's it's one of those movies where you can't you can't go into it thinking that you're going to get some type of serious um some serious horror movie that has this you know eerie feel to it it's just a bunch of gore for gore's sake um extremely funny like i said very uh very offensive um in some cases and you know, just thinking about it, I'm, I'm laughing because he play he plays a uh, Mayor Buckman in the movie, and um, actually, it had the movie has a a sequel to it, and um, Bill Mosley play plays that role in the next movie. Oh wow! Um, okay, which is which is pretty cool. Um, and my this this stuff's not working for me, so. Um, but yeah, it, 2001 Maniacs came out in 2005. If you have a chance, definitely check it out because it's one of those movies that um, when you're done watching it, you're like, okay, I just sat through this and watched this movie. Um, I probably won't tell anybody that I watched this movie um, <laughs> because <laughs> because they're going to think of oh, something is seriously wrong with me. Uh, especially at how much you laugh through it. I mean, I'm, I remember watching this movie with one of my roommates um, and we just laughed hysterically. Um, And I promise no drugs were involved. It was just a funny movie. Um, (laughs) And we just laughed and laughed and laughed. And, um, you know, some of the kills were just ridiculous. Um, yeah, it has a 5.3 rating on IMDb. So most people would stay away from it, but uh, it it really is a funny movie. So um, if you don't mind a lot of gore, um, it does go a little overboard um, with some of the gore, but it's a, uh, oh my gosh, it's such a funny movie. And Robert England is so hilarious in the movie. Um, 
he's so offensive and it's so funny. So, um, yeah, definitely check it out if you have a chance. Yeah, that's not. That sounds fantastic. And anytime, anytime horror goes like way over the top, I mean, that's just, you know, that's ripe for laughter and for comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, so yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. And then the, the, um, so if you watch that one and you'd like to follow the saga that is 2001 Maniacs, um, like I said, Bill Mosley is in the uh, sequel and the sequel is named 2001 Maniacs, Field of Screams. <laughs> That's great. That's yes. great. So it's, um, and uh, Lynn Shea is actually in both. Oh, stop it. That's wonderful. Oh, that's great. Yes, she's, <laughs> she's actually in both films. Um, and she is a little bit nutty in both of these as well. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good time. It's funny. Well, that's a that's a cool connection. That it's funny because it wraps back to um, Elm Street Part Four. Is that I think mm-hmm. it is, I think I, what I had read was her brother was a producer on uh, on Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four. He's the one who has like the you know the little cameo playing the teacher who's who's talking about um, in the in the classroom um, who's talking about the gatekeepers of dreams and there are positive ones and negative ones. And, and uh, yeah, that's, I forget what his name is, but yeah, his last name is Shay. And I was like, huh, maybe that's Lynn Shay's like relative, but I think it's, it's her brother or cousin or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So small, you know, small horror world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it really is. So tell us a little bit about, we'll, we'll kind of shift gears here. Tell us a little bit about what you do at Movie John. Oh, okay, great. Um, Movie John, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a wonderful and fun and super informative zine that's um, put out um, quarterly. It's a physical. It's a physical um, zine that um, is put out quarterly. Uh, it's out of Philadelphia, and I am a contributing writer. So uh, you can catch my articles um, on their website, which is moviejohn.com, and that's moviejawn.com, um, and also in their uh, physical print, uh, which you can subscribe to um, on the website also. And I've been I've been with them for a few years. Um, just such a wonderful group of people. Um, all diehard movie people i mean you know it goes beyond just uh liking movies i mean uh rosalie kicks who is the editor i mean uh, we're really good friends and one of the first things she said to me was something that no one outside of myself has ever said which is you know movies are my friends and i thought to myself Mm. wow i have found my way home because I have always thought of movies as my friends. Um, So yeah, so these are, you know, a group of writers and artists who are just immensely talented, who give really thoughtful reviews on old movies, new movies, you know, um, upcoming movies. They also have their own podcast. Um, A lot of exciting things happening actually over at Movie John right now. So I would really urge anybody to to head over to the website and you'll find their podcasts, links to their podcasts and tons of articles on all kinds of movies and um, 
you definitely want to subscribe to the zine too. It's really fun. You get fun goodies in the mail along with the magazine. It's just a good time. That's awesome. And yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I checked out the website and um, I'm definitely going to subscribe and um, you know, a lot of good stuff over there, a lot of in-depth analysis of films, which I really enjoy. And, you know, going beyond just the, this is what happened here. And, you know, this scene was this, it's like, you know, really studying the characters and why certain things happen. You know, it, it's just, it's great. So uh, all of that information we will be putting in the description for uh, this episode so people can check it out because it's definitely worth checking it out. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think yeah. So. No problem. No problem. So couple, couple other things that we're going to do before I let you go. Um, mm -hmm. What are some movies? And I know we spoke a little bit about this before, but what are some movies that are coming up that you're really, really pumped about? Oh, the first one that jumps out is Wonder Woman 1984. I am so psyched for this movie. Um, you know, again, I was an 80s kid. Um, so the trailer just had me hooked as soon as you hear um, the New Order song uh, that, that is, you know, pumping through it. You see, you know, all of the costumes, the, uh, you know, the, it's a period piece for the eighties. I just, I'm excited for it. And I loved, I loved um, the first one. Patty Jenkins is an amazing director. So I'm really psyched for that. I'm also, I'm, I'm also incredibly, incredibly uh, just anxious even <laughs> uh, for promising, promising young woman, which is coming out in April, hopefully, unless they push it back. Um, it's starring Carrie Mulligan and it just looks like the next best female revenge film. Um, you know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot more twists in this, in, in this movie than we can tell by the trailer, but so far so good. The, um, the colors in the movie from the trailer, um, her acting, of course, uh, Carrie Mulligan is amazing. I la 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 love her, <laughs> um, and I can't wait to see her again. On, uh, you know, in her own movie. So I'm really looking forward to that. So anytime, a, anytime a woman is, uh, you know, given a movie in which she gets vengeance, I'm pretty much all there. So <laughs> I expect to to see this one multiple times. So yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what about uh, horror films? that you're looking oh, forward to seeing. Wow. I think you know the answer to this one. Oh, I, oh, I know. I know. Oh yeah. You know, um, Candyman. I oh, yeah. cannot wait. I know I sound like a broken record, but I mean, it just, <laughs> I fell in love with Candyman. I'm late to, I, I was late to the party. Okay. I came out, I was very well aware of it in the nineties. Um, but I only saw it. I think it was last year. Or the year before, um, prompted by um, a podcast I was listening to, where they talked about it, and I was like, "Oh, let me, let me, let me catch Candyman," and I was just hooked. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, I, I see what you did there. I, I see what you did. 
and didn't mean to, but <laughs> glad I did. <laughs> um, I just, I love that movie. I love Tony Todd. He's amazing. Um, his acting, uh, his dedication, his ferocity, his elegance, how gentle he is. I mean, it's just, he takes that character and shows us so many sides to it. And he hardly says much in the movie at all. I mean, this is all just, you know, uh, what a masterful actor he is. Um, yes. His dedication is incredible. Um, I read up a lot on um, Cabrini Green, on, you know, what was going on in Chicago during that time, um, how all of that informed the film. Um, my husband um, is very much interested in, you know, uh, American history and sociology. Um, so he was well aware of Cabrini Green. And we, you know, we talked about that. Um, it was just a great movie, I think, for so many reasons, the racial relations, um, all of the issues, um, folklore, everything. It's just that there's a lot going on in that pot. They're stirring a lot of different you know, ingredients and it works. Um, so I am just so psyched as a huge fan of um, Monkey Paw Productions, um, Jordan yes. Peele's production company. I'm a big fan of theirs. So I'm really excited to see, um, uh, her name is Nia DaCosta, I think. Yeah, Nia DaCosta. Yep. Nia DaCosta, yeah, Nia DaCosta's take um, on Candyman 2020. You know, the, the trailer looks amazing. It's it looks like it's been updated for our times in a very well thought out and a clever way. Yes. I love that they brought back um, one of the characters we see in the trailer um, as a throwback to the original. Um, I'm, I'm so psyched to, I'm definitely going to be there uh, opening night because I, I just yes. cannot wait. Yes. And I, I don't know if, if people listening, if they know how much of a fan I am of Tony Todd, um, I, I normally wouldn't say his name because I do hope one day that, um, he will be a guest on the podcast. I'm going to keep pushing for that. Um, but huge fan of his, um, but like you said, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Nia DaCosta does, uh, as the director of this film. And I wanted, I wanted to make sure I made a point of that again to make sure that people know Jordan Peele is one of the producers. Uh, he's one of the screenwriters, but he is not the director. Nia DaCosta is. And, you know, as film lovers, uh, it's, really, it's really great to see new people uh, in that role to get fresh takes on films, especially one with uh, the story uh, and the mystique that uh, Candyman has. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does with the film. Also um, want to give a huge shout out in terms of the way that this film is being done this time. Uh, Clive Barker was behind the first one. And it, like you said, it's a story that has such strong uh, racial tones to it. And this time around, it's actually being told by the people that look like the ones portrayed in the film. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that, and that's such a huge thing. And I know um, we talked, we talked a little bit before about um, horror noir 
and that uh, documentary. And if you, if folks haven't seen that yet, if you want a look at African Americans and people of color and how our roles have changed from the beginning of horror films being made to now, go check that out. Um, Shudder, it's on Shudder. You can get a subscription through Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I promise you they're not paying me to say this. Uh, I watch a lot of the stuff on their channel all the time. Great horror movies on there. I'm not going to say who one of the executive producers is on that documentary because, again, I want her on the podcast one day, too, so I'm not going going to bombard her. Um, but I want her on the podcast, too, and hopefully she's listening so she'll know exactly who she is. She's an amazing um, person. She I hope is. she's listening. <laughs> she's amazing. I hope so too. I hope so too. And I hope Mr. Todd is listening. I said his name again. I said I wasn't going to, but I hope he's listening as well because again, I really want him on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, definitely looking forward to Candyman um, and, and what they're going to do with that. Another horror film that I'm looking forward to is Spiral, um, which is the, I don't know whether the classified classified as a reboot or just a reimagining or just a spinoff of the Saw franchise, but I am mm. really interested in seeing what Chris Rock does in a in a role like this. Really, really curious to see how he does this. I know that the stories online say that he's a huge fan of the franchise, and this is an idea that he had and really want to see uh this film i'm not sure how you feel about that one i'd love to hear your thoughts on that one yeah i have uh well i'll just say i'll just put it flat out chris rock will bring me into the movie theater whatever he does you know (laughs) um i love chris rock and and when i read that he was you know sort of um you know, working his way into the, the Saw franchise, I was like, what? Because it's, you know, it's horror, you know, and, and, and kind of extreme horror. So to, to think of, you know, um, our beloved Chris Rock, who's so, who's so funny, and, um, in, in, you know, working his way into, into that genre was just like a, a head spin. Um, I don't know if he's done horror before. If he has, you know, my bad. But um, I'm excited to see what happens how all of this heads up and what goes down (laughs) definitely i um i have not seen the saw movies uh admittedly a little bit too uh too violent too gory just not my not my you know cup of tea but again if chris rock is in it i'm there so yeah yeah what i will say is this with the saw franchise yes there are some films that are just way over the top in terms of gore. But I was having this conversation with a friend uh, last week. The first Saw film Mm -hmm. is about as close to perfection for a horror film as you can get. Wow. It's it's just about as close to perfection as you can get because if you take the elements of the movie if you take the 
the originality of what, you know, why things were happening the way that they are. And then you take a look at the twist. And since you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you because maybe one day you will watch it. But the twist at the end is, I mean, it's like they say, chef's kiss. I mean, it's, it's right. Absolutely fantastic. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, it is a little bit rough at times with the gore, but it's oh my goodness, what a great movie! Well, um, with that kind of endorsement, then I've I, I've got to see it. So, well, so I'll definitely check it listen, out. Listen, listen, you checked out Would You Rather, and I appreciate you doing <laughs> that. Um, I you know I I love to recommend different things and get people's you know take on it. I know that I I'm a huge fan of that movie and talked about it the way that I did in the last episode and. Um, you actually gave it a you gave it a watch, so um, so that that made me happy that you actually checked it out on my oh, recommendation. That's, that's wonderful. I mean, listen, this is my thing. Um, if you're a movie person, I think you know to hear someone else just profess a love for a film. How could you not go and watch it? You know, I mean, whether you end up liking it or not, okay, that's a separate issue. But like, it's right. it's this, it's the same thing as I, I have made this like comparison many times. Um, I also I love music. I'm a music person. So what always bothers me is when people say, "Oh, I lo- I love music," right? Except I don't like X, Y, and Z types of music. Well, and, and honestly, what I've always heard in this, I, I mean, since I was younger, even through today, um, I've always heard, oh, I love music too, except, you know, country music and, and rap. Those are the two genres, like, you know, types of music that just really get poo-pooed on um, by mm-hmm. so-called music people. And I always say to myself, hmm, if you really love music, you love all music doesn't mean that you're going to have an extensive collection of country or rap or whatever, you know, or opera, but you find beauty in all of the different types of music because it's music. And I feel the same, I feel the same could be said about movies. You know, you may not be a horror junkie, but there are going to be a few horror movies that you've just, that, that endear themselves to you because they're, because of some connection that they have, because they're well-made because of a number of reasons. So, and to, and to meet another movie person, hear them expound on why they love a particular movie, why that movie means so much to them, you know, to me is just, there's no better, there's no better like recommendation. And, and of course I want to watch it. If nothing else, then just to get myself into that person's, uh, you know, space and say, Oh, okay. This has told me a lot. This, this tells me a lot about that person and, and, and who they are that they would love this movie so much. So, yeah, I think it's fascinating um, to, to watch movies that other people recommend so strongly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So as, as we wrap this up, uh, tell people how they can find you and where to follow you and all that good stuff. Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter. I've been living there a lot lately. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my handle is at Jesse WHM fan. Um, so that's me on Twitter. And you'll see my little black and white picture. Um, 
you can always um, get at me through email, which is booksvhsmusic at gmail.com. And um, if you have a chance, please search out my articles on MovieJohn, uh, moviejohn.com. And they have a search function. Um, and you can uh, look up um, any articles that I've written uh, for their online site. Um, you can just look up Jessica or Jesse. It'll bring you to my stuff. Awesome. And like I said, I'll put all of that information in the description of this episode. And, um, you know, again, I, I really want to thank you for, uh, you know, being my guest on here. It really, it really means a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I just really thank you for, for letting me chat with you about, uh, about a movie today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I mean that it's been so much fun. I really like chatting with you. So hopefully we can do it again soon. And um, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, not a problem. Not a problem. So, um, you know, we'll, we're going to keep going for it next time. Uh, we will be taking a tour through Camp Crystal Lake uh, with a good friend of mine. Uh, I won't spoil who it is yet, but uh, <laughs> let's just say that me and this guy spend a lot of time talking. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Jason Voorhees and uh, Friday the 13th. So I'm really looking forward to that. After that, the, the episode after that, I'm actually going to talk about Candyman. So I'm really excited to do a deep dive into that and not just the first one but i'll talk a little bit about the sequels as well um i was more of a fan of the original of the first um but since i'm such a huge fan of he who shall not be named i'm not going to say it again um <laughs> since i'm such a fan um i i do love and appreciate all of the films but the first just holds a special place in my heart. And then um, the episode after that, uh, I'm going to be breaking down the entire Saw franchise uh, with a friend of mine, with another friend of mine. So, um, so I'm really, I'm really excited about the next several episodes that we have coming up and uh, the guests that we have coming on um, in terms of how you can reach us. Um, we're on Twitter, movies to be murdered by. Uh, it's at T O underscore murdered. Did not come up with that. You can thank Twitter for that handle. Um, thanks, Twitter. Shout out to you guys. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, movies to be murdered by. Um, you know, and really, really what we want to do with this podcast is just be interactive and get everyone's feedback. So, um, so if you like our episodes, let me know, you know, throw something out there on Twitter and um, really, uh, really want to hear some feedback. Uh, we've been getting some really positive traction lately, so I'm really excited about that and where uh, this is all uh, headed. So, um, again, Jesse, thank you. And um, until next time, folks, uh, this is Jeff Watson, your host of Movies to be Murdered by and Go enjoy you a very, very nice, uh, scary horror film today since it's, going, since it's Friday the 13th when this is coming out. So uh, really uh, enjoy the day and, you know, watch you some, watch you some horror movies. Um, if it's 
Friday the 13th on, uh, if they have a marathon of that, go watch it. I always do that on every Friday the 13th. So I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, talk to you next time.